This is your Frederick Real Estate Update, a conversation about the regional real estate market with tips for buyers and sellers. Your hosts, REMAX Results, Darren Ahern, and Presidential Bank Mortgages, Terry Kernan. Hey folks, welcome back to your Frederick Real Estate Update. I am Darren Ahern with REMAX Results, and I have with me the man, the one and only from Presidential Bank Mortgage, Terry Kernan. How we doing, buddy? Great, great. Merry, Merry Christmas. I'll say, here we are, Santa Claus. Happy holidays, happy Hanukkah, happy, happy everything. All of it. You know what present I got for myself this year, T? What'd you get? The thing I've been wanting for so long. A cigarette boat? Yeah, that's on the way. That thing's coming down <laughs> the chimney and tree. And I'm still waiting for that thing. But you know what? I got one on my eye on. I just might have it in the springtime. We'll see. But um, you're going to laugh. You know, my favorite Christmas movie of all time is Clark Griswold. National okay. Lampoon. All right. One so, or two? or The first one. So I finally one. got the jersey. I got, I got the hockey jersey with the double zeros. Mm-hmm. And I finally got the, the moose glass not the those glass for drinking in my eggnog now and i love it it's great so i can stand there and look like clark griswold less the christmas tree and the squirrels and the dog and all the other crazy stuff going on that's awesome so yeah all right let's get right on into it here um all right so one of the things this week uh terry i'm gonna give i'm gonna give a 30 second thing so so when i was on you know you know where i grew up right you grew up in Pittsburgh. All right, I grew up, in, uh, and so so the gift that we get at, at, at Christmas time, or when you're bur- born, and all that, of course, is is what's the thing that we all get as children in Pittsburgh? You think, or when you're born, you get a what? Well, uh, you de- definitely get a Steelers jersey at some point in your life. You do because Usually I've been Jack to a Lambert. Pittsburgh game, <laughs> and everybody except me had a Pittsburgh jersey on. Exactly. But we also get that thing called the terrible towel. And so when you're born, that's uh, what they wipe you off with and all that. And you get one of those. And that's how they kind of serenade you into Pittsburgh. So, you know, we only lived a few miles from Three River Stadium. And we attended lots of the games in the 70s and all that. And we had fun time as a kid. So about 10 years ago, my brother, I was up for a game. And we went to the all-in-famous monument. And I got to stand and get a picture right where Franco Harris caught that interception, the immaculate reception ball. Wow. If you've never been there and you've never gotten to see it and get a picture with it, it's really cool. And um, so, therefore, as you guys know, this last week, a little moment of silence that our our number 32 retired forever. He didn't just get to make a catch and have the immaculate reception and save and win the game and all that good stuff back in the day. But he made the ultimate catch, and he is dancing and doing a touchdown dance on Streets of Gold. So... My prayers are with all the family members and all of them and all the people or my family and everybody in Pittsburgh that's mourning for a few minutes about one of the greatest players of all times, Franco Harris, number 32. Rest in peace. And also this week, uh, we lost another athlete, but on the baseball side, Tom Browning. Yeah. Passed away, who Tom pitched Browning. a perfect game in 1988. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's first cousins with uh, one of my best friends from high school, Grant Wagner. And Grant, uh, he pitched it in 90, uh, 1988, and he passed away. He was only 62. Uh, so Sad. thoughts and prayers go out to the to the Wagners, the Brownings, and the whole family there. But uh, throwing a perfect game, I mean, That's what a tough. feat. What a feat. Yeah. Um, Every pitcher's dream, isn't it? Yeah, and we were, you know, we were, like, right there with him when he pitched it. Not with him there, but when it happened, we were all, like, 
so pumped for him because it was Grant's cousin. So yeah. it was pretty cool. Yeah, all the fun but, stuff. Uh, so. He passed away, and that's so sad as well. So All right, and so Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm going to say Merry Christmas, I think, to my son. He... He gave me a little text. I think he's going to be stranded still in British Columbia and maybe not make it home for the holidays. Apparently, they got a few feet of snow and 60 below zero. So be mm. safe, son. Have fun out there. Say hi to Santa as watch, he comes down. Watch planes, trains, and automobiles. Exactly. So there you go. All right. Inventory real quick, T. 366 is our active homes on the market. 196 resales um, and uh, 170 new construction. So, man, them two are getting neck and neck again. And crazy, but this is the shake. This is the big one. Average days on the market, sixty six. Now, it skyrocketed this week. Went up ten percent. Six six days in one. Yep. This it, week. Yeah, it went up six days in okay. just one week. So that is really hello. Average median price four ninety five. Temporary off the market forty nine. Coming soon twenty five. And pending under contract, 454, and the last sold 30 days, 301. And so there are the numbers. So, all right, what's happening in the mortgage world? What are you seeing? So what we're seeing or what what we're feeling is is the rates went up last week, and the rates went up to the prime rate on the prime rate. So now the prime's at 7.5%, um, which means that doesn't mean that our rates are going to go up. But that number had already been settled with the mortgage market. So our rates did not jump up. They jumped up a little bit, but they're going to come back down a little bit. But the thing that I'm starting to see is stability. And yep. what's happening with stability is I'm starting to see people get back on the phone, make the calls. Hey, I want to buy in the spring. I want to get ready. I want to figure it out. And the one thing that they all are saying to me is, I know rates have gone way up. I just want to make sure that I can afford it. And, you know, go back to you know, marry the house, date the rate. And, yep. and that's kind of the theme. So I'm talking to them about buy-downs. I'm talking about them about adjustable rates. So what's going on in the national scene is is a couple things. Is New home sales are down 7.7%. This is all nationally yep. um, last month, from last month. That's the 10th month in a row that we've seen a decline. Mm. And um, basically what we're seeing is 10 months in a row – now, that's down from a year ago. New home sales are down, or not new home, resales are down 35.5%. Yep. And so that decline that we've seen the last 10 months, that's the largest decline. It hasn't declined that many months in a row since 1999. Since 99. Since 99. So think about that. I wasn't that. in the business yet, brother. No. I was four years away from it. No. In 1999, wow. yeah. So it's been a while since we've kind of seen what we're seeing right now. But here's the good news. On average, across the country, home values have gone up in 2022 by 3.5%. So the demand is still there, which is keeping the prices high. Yeah, it still is. So what this signals to me is no supply. Yeah, that's it. Zero supply. Mm -hmm. And the numbers that you read just for Frederick County show no supply. Right. There's nothing. It's There's not nothing. even a month. It's a month, and that's the whole thing. Normally, a balanced yeah. market is five five months of inventory is a balanced, not a seller's, not a buyer market. And so we're in a full – here's what's interesting. Like you said, that dynamic. We are in an absolute continued, still full-blown seller's market. The problem is – the buyer demand is is the, the affordability has really affected everything to the degree 
that we are starting to see about 57% of all listings that are for sale right now, active homes for sale, they have made a price adjustment. And um, in due time here, the few that I have that that's you know coming up before we hit spring market, whatever that looks like, may need to make a little bit of a tweak and adjustment as well to stay ahead of the curve rather than get behind the eight ball, which is the worst position to be in. Absolutely. So, so the next thing I just want to touch on is kind of give you an idea who's out there buying, like what's going on. Yeah, who are the buyers? Who are the buyers? 28% of the buyers are first-time home buyers. Yep. Those were the people in the bleachers during like the last three years of the craziness. They were not able to buy. It was very hard for first-time home buyers to get their contract accepted. So what we're seeing is that number is increasing. Okay? Yes, So absolutely. we're at 28% right now. And this is nationwide. This isn't Frederick County, but that mirrors pretty much what we're I looking think we're at. Probably close. You know, you know which first-time yeah. apps. Yes. So we're starting to see more and more first-time home buyers able to win the contracts. And what that basically means is that you know less money is required down. Sometimes you got a ding, whatever the case may be. Um, a first-time home buyer, you know, has grant money and all that. So all that money's there for you in the spring. I'm getting a lot of calls from first-time home buyers. And that's basically what we're taking a look at. FHA, VA, okay, USDA. USDA is less than 1%, as I've said. But FHA and VA are still running at around 13.5% for FHA loans, 12% for VA loans. So we're running around one out of four our FHA VA, which has not really wavered since the rate started going up. Okay. Yeah. So that number has kind of stayed in the same pocket. One out of four deals right now are FHA and VA. So during that crazy, crazy time, first time home buyers were shut out, you know, um, and also FHA uh, deals were being shut out by all the multiple contract offers. So that's a big sign that they're coming back. And I think, I, th- I believe what I'm feeling is that we're going to have a very busy January. I do too. Um, feel that the demand's going to be there. The psychological part about the rates is, you know, the farther away you get from that 3% that we were selling and 2.75, the farther away you get from that, the, uh, you know, the more you forget about it. Or, you know, you don't think about it as much. Yeah. You know, it's not as fresh in your memory because what we've been selling is 5.5% rates. So Good that's kind of what we saw and seen now, and that's kind of how 2022 is wrapping up. Awesome, awesome. So one of the things I want to say, obviously, thank you to all of our many thousands of listeners out there. I was just at a gathering um, uh, with Michael Huff. Uh, recently here, and he's like, hey, Darren, I, I'll listen to your program, and his wife right away, she's like, yeah, we listen to you all the time, and I saw Jeff out there um, and some others, and they're all like, hey, we listen to you all the time, we catch you and Terry, and thanks for all the great information updates, but to many of the listeners in our area, and that aren't even in Frederick in this area, the, the like many, like my mom and my family and others and friends of mine on Facebook that listen, and I even have real estate agent friends in California that like to listen to us to see what's happened on the almost the other side of the pond. Yeah. Is the way you say the other side of the country. So it's been, it's, you know, really good. Yeah. And I had a, a caller, um, a, a listener that listens all the time, Tom Brady, and he called and we talked about uh, new minute. construction. Wait not the Tom Brady. I thought you were going to say, really, not, not you mean the, the, guy, the guy that this made is me the cry Tom at the Brady. Super Bowl? Come no. on now, not that person. I feel uh, bad for him. But Tom yeah. and I talked about yeah. uh, construction of perms. Yep. Um, and he had a lot of questions on construction of perms. So so one show we should do 
um, about construction of perms and just kind of re-review because we're starting to see we're going to see more people going towards that in the spring as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, we are here. The cool part is, Terry, all the subjects and everything that are in the past 200 and I think 85 programs now are um, for you guys. And the cool part, Terry, is we literally almost every week get people that are emailing, talking, care, you know, and asking about subjects and things because there's so much information to cover and all that. And uh, But the biggest thing I find over and over and over again is the educational side I deal with so much. But the time frame we have is to deal with what's happening in real, real time and real life scenarios to think about. And this is what's really important. And being that, life on the streets, one of the things that happened this week here in the last couple of days is my stepbrother. He had called me up and his brother has the house down in Cambridge on the waterfront down there. They bought the house in 2012 for $1.2 million. Okay. So wow. think of this scenario. This is where we want to get people thinking here. You buy a house on the water. It's gorgeous. It's uh, I think it's like almost 4,000 or whatever. I made the printout for it. 4,096 square feet. 4,100 square feet. Boat dock. Beautiful property right on the bay on the chop tank right there in Cambridge. Right by the parks and all that and, and the marinas and things all that where you come off Route 50. And $1.2 million. They had it appraised just over five months ago. Different world. Okay, and guess what that appraisal came in at, Terry? Take a wild guess. A wild guess, $1.85 million. Close. $1.7, Your Honor. Okay. Not bad. Okay. Not bad. They put some work on $1.7, and uh, here's the kicker. And one, and they so they list the property, $1.625. They put it on the market for, and 45 days lower later, they're getting almost no showings, no activity, no nothing, no offers, no anything. And they're, they moved. They're, they're not keeping this thing. They're, you know... Guess where they put the price at now? 1.4. Really? And here's the thing. 97 days on the market. They just got an offer the other day. And it's probably at 1.2. It's 1.05. One million dollars. One so, million dollars. Yikes. That's a dilemma. Yeah. A little bit of a dilemma. I said, Yikes. Home's in great condition and checks out good. But how did they not get a better offer by now? And what would you do as a seller, if you were my stepbrother, what would you do right now with what's going on? What would I do? What would you do? This is the question we have for all of our listeners. What would you do in this scenario? Um, I would check with my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Smart answer. No, no. uh, In all seriousness, yeah. In a situation like this, yep. you have to you have to decide whether you have the money to carry it, and is it all about pride or is it about the market? Because he knows that that fourteen months ago he probably could have gotten one point seven or one point five or whatever the case. Maybe yeah, yeah. probably, probably one point five. I don't know. What, things so were, is the things appraiser were selling. wrong? Is the crazy market? No, because so down, do? down. What would you do? I would, I would uh, definitely. That's a conversation with you and your your uh, your wife or spouse or yep. significant other. What who, if you have a partner in the deal? You got to discuss it and you got to figure out how long you can carry it. And then you also got to figure out where do I separate my heart from my pride, kind of thing. You know, realist to you know. I mean, part of me would say, hey, hang on till the spring market because. Things are going to get heated back up, right. and it's easier to sell a, a waterfront home in February, March than it is to sell one in 
November, now, December. Right. So here's the deal. He's got an offer for just over a million, a million fifty. Obviously, that would be a tremendous deal and a steal. I don't know if it's an investor. I don't know any of that. But this is what my gut says, Terry. I kind of follow along with that. This is my gut. I would counter. You got to counter offer back. Right. You counter offer back. I would come back at the uh, 1.35 mil and see what they do. Okay. Okay. Now, two choices. Let's say they deny it. They don't come to an agreement. Buyer's gone. You're not even going to get 1.35 at this point in time. Two decisions you have to do. Do you just rip off the Band-Aid a little bit and you just say, look, I'm going to put it at 1.25. I'm going to try to get multiple offers or an offer at that and call it a day. Or do you temporarily take it off the market, which, by the way, that rule doesn't work no more about the days on market after 60 days. It looks like it's brand new out there and anything like that. That's not going to happen anymore. That's gone. That's that's on. Or do you absolutely take it off the market, wait until about, say, March, okay? Wait till March, end of March, and then put it back on the market at probably 1.35 and then call and see where the market is and what's happened at that point. Yeah. So that, that's something they need to decide, but yeah. what a dilemma. You, but you definitely got to counter at 1.25 or above is, that's my, what is my guess. Yeah, and that's what I told them. I said, that's probably a thing to do. So we'll see how this shakes out. But this is not just this one scenario, guys. The reason why I'm bringing this is up is because we're starting to see this more and more and more with the adjustment of the market right now of the changes of where's buyers' minds at. And that's what this is really all about. So what's happened is we're having the least amount of showings during the all time of the year. Right now, this is the slowest time they have showings. And then the buyer demand, you know, they're they're just they're inside of a Christmas tree and wrapping paper and security lines at airports right now, of course. But demand we know is going to pick up after next, you know, after that ball drops and Eddie, uh, you know, from my favorite National Lampoons jumps back in his RV and takes his family wherever. The buyers that I'm working with, here's the deal: they're wanting to offer. I just showed a home up in Ortana, PA, a nice farm at 17 acres, and we're looking at a price tag of 650. Okay, my okay. people are paying cash. These are cash buyers. And um, when we looked at the comparables, I spent literally, Terry, two hours doing my research and due diligence. And there is so much evidence that proves that this house is emphatically at least $100,000 overpriced. Okay. So my people were willing to come in cash, $100,000 less at five hundred and fifty. dollars and uh, purchase it, and the uh, had a great discussion with the other agent. She sent me their information back and forth, the whole nine yards. And um, I'm afraid at the end of the day, unfortunately, for these sellers to probably be holding on to this property. And the property's already been on the market for three and a half months. That is a big, big deal. And they've only come down twenty five thousand dollars from where they originally started at like six seventy five. So is the feel that they're the sellers don't want to move off the price? Yeah, exactly. And it's yeah. vacant. They're gone. You know, it's, you know, so sometimes, you know, I, I'm a, there, there's the thing that I think what we're learning right now with sellers, with the market, what's coming up is it's going to be very, very simple. The grayness is going to be gone very quick. You're either going to do this correct right away and get the most money you can get, or you're going to dig your heels in and you're going to be acting like we're in 2000, you know, the, the mindset of say 2007, eight and nine and you are going to take less later. It's just that simple. You want more now or less later? That's an easy conversation. And there's a plan to be able to have that happen. And those that understand what's changing in our economy, our world, and everything else, 
This is not the same as a year ago, and we may never see that for maybe 10 more years. Who knows? Or two years. Yeah, it could be a long Next time. Next presidential election year when the rates come down. Yeah, and that's what I want to talk about, where that can be. The buyers and work with that thing, they're looking to offer about 10% I'm finding. I have a few other buyers, and they're kind of, and that that's about the number I'm seeing that if there's no other offers, they want to offer about 10% or they want to come down a little bit in price and get some closing costs, three, four, five percent in closing assistance as well. So we're seeing a mixed hybrid of that mindset. I don't have anybody that is looking at a property right now or hasn't been in probably four months that said, wow, that is a really good deal. It's the exact thing, Darren, we've been waiting to find. It's a golden goose egg because there's no inventory. So let's offer above the asking price because I know this is a great deal, even if I get it at price. Okay. So yeah, we're not, we're not, we're not seeing that. And the only other one I had in PA two weeks ago, we got on our contract was at that price. And they did have another offer in place, but we got it at the list price because it was already at the height based on the data and everything. It was already priced at the top, top. So, and they put down so much money, they put down 50% on this house, mm-hmm. where the other thing that happened is a lender you'll appreciate, they waived the appraisal, didn't even do one. They didn't even do an appraisal. Wow. They came back the next day and said, no appraisal, it's not needed. They put 50% down, we don't even look at that. We don't even, look at, we don't even worry about that. So if you want to talk about that, how, how often do you find that an underwriter comes back and says, the buyer's putting down so much money that we don't need to do an appraisal. We're not worried about it. Um, so let, let's talk how does a that little work? bit. How does that work? I so, thought that'd be an interesting thought. So it's called a... Um, Is that a desktop appraisal or how do they do it? It's a PIW. A PIW. A Here PIW. We go. Okay. Right. So let me tell you what a PIW is. So there's two underwriting engines that we use, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, right? Mm-hmm. Desktop, desk, desktop underwriter right. is Fannie Mae. Okay. DU. LP is loan prospector, and that's Freddie Mac. We upload our loans into one of the two. And depending on what type, depending on what type, okay. depending like a self-employed person, we're usually going to go LP because they're more, they're kinder, gentler. Uh, you don't need as much. But basically, if somebody's putting money down, somebody has good credit, somebody has good assets, somebody has good jo- job stability, and basically LP or DU will give a property inspection waiver. Okay. Okay. And that basically says exactly what you said. They're putting 50% down. These people are golden. We as a computer, we as an underwriting engine, have done our due diligence and realized that putting 50% down, we are protected on this property and the value is basically there. Yes. So where we see most PIWs is if somebody's putting 20% down or more. The other place that we see PIWs is we see a tremendous amount of PIWs uh, is when you come in for a refinance, you have a loan to value of 60 or 70% according to what you believe. So you say, well, how much do you think your house is worth? Well, my house is worth 500000 but I only know two hundred. And I've got all this equity. And so when we put it into the system, we, we can actually put it in a little lower, okay. which will make the computer think that we're overshooting or overestimate, underestimating. Right. So the computer will say, hey, we don't need an inspection. If these guys say that it's worth 400 
you know, our research, the computer's research, says that it's probably worth four to five hundred. So, so we're basing the value on four hundred. We don't need uh, an appraisal here. Yeah. So we see uh, we see it a lot with rate and term refinances. We don't see it as much with cash out refinances, and we do see it with purchases where somebody's usually putting twenty percent down or more, and in the computer feels comfortable with the whole loan top to bottom. So That's so good. it is very common and as the future goes and as the computers get smarter and smarter and smarter then we will need appraisals less and less in my opinion. Uh that's what's that's where things are going. Wow. Yes. Isn't that cool? You know what's funny? I think this is one of those subjects I don't even know if we've ever discussed like under what guidelines would an appraisal not even be needed whatsoever in the purchase of a home. Yeah, so an underwriter can't look at the findings from DU, and if DU says no PIW, the underwriter can't say, well, this is such a good loan, I'm going to override that. They can't do that. What the underwriter Ah, does is the underwriter submits the loan, gets the findings, looks at the findings, and then goes through the findings to make sure that, you know, whether an inspection is needed, you know, what type of documentation for income, what type of documentation for assets, things like that. And the underwriter is verifying and and comparing and making sure that everything matches, matches up. Matches up. That's it. To so. what the findings say from the underwriting engine. Yeah. So obviously the selling agent, the, the, the listing agent, I'm sorry, the listing agent on our side was pretty surprised. Like, oh, wow, that's really cool. You guys aren't even going to be doing an appraisal. It's like, nope, don't need it. So... That's the kind of ones I want to list. I want to get buyers that are putting 50% or 25 or whatever down. Those are the easier ones in that regard. Well, well, well I had so. one recently that um, um, on the water, mm-hmm. Annapolis, $2.4 million, uh, multiple offers. And this was only three months ago. Multiple wow. offers. Um, and you had a uh, uh, $600,000 loan. So, so they won it, but they over shot the list price and they got a PIW and, and the borrower said, I want the appraisal. <laughs> I want to see. Okay, then. <laughs> and the appraisal came in fine. Yep. Came in fine. Uh, they didn't overpay, but but so that's their right. That's their right. To want the appraisal. Oh, that's good to know. I, I didn't know. I guess so. They want yeah. to pay it. You want didn't to get need it? it? You can yeah. do it. But fine. it's not going to affect your ability or the loan or anything else in that regard, and that's a big thing. So, yep. all right, we got two minutes left. The sellers, this is the thing, waiting for that spring market. Um, for some people, Terry, we've talked January 2nd is the day, right, when we think the spring market. It just seems like that's when we start to see the momentum pick up. And other sellers, Terry, think that the spring market is until the grass turns green, the flowers are in full bloom, which, as you know, traditionally, I have always said you are a little bit late to the party. But um, but if the Fed can lower these rates back down to 3%, even if it was in April or May, yes, we are going to have a good time and all that kind of stuff like that. So here's what NAR, National Association of Realtors, predicts as we go into 2023, and people want to know this. That most places in the U.S. will see values level off or have a slight increase of 2 to 3%. And for very likely hold true in places where sale prices are under the average, like where our rental market floor, we call it the rental floor is. I think those price points, wherever they look in whatever area that is, those are always going to pretty much go up in value for the most part. Okay, It's very rare that we see a place go down in value, say in our area, I would say like 250000 under 
let me tell you what, if we see that market starts to lose values, we have a really bigger problem on our hands and all that. Um, but, you know, anything can happen out there. But I've always um, said that we're going to I think that we're going to hit a pretty hard. I'm starting to lean towards more of a flat market, split market for 2023. And I think um, less than most homes are going to probably see a uh, price increase next year in general since we live in a pretty higher area. So, hey, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's. Terry and I are going to be back soon. We cannot wait to hear from you about what questions, cares, thoughts, and concerns about what you have for 2023. Happy buying and selling. And we're always here for you. Take care now.